Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, are we, uh, is the glider gliding right now? Have we detached from the airplane? Are we going? Is this it? We're always going, Joe. You know We this. are. How are, yeah. again, I, I have not talked to you much. We've had Mother's Day since I last saw you. Uh, did you perform? Did you, did you make mommy happy on Mother's Day? There's yes. always, that's one of the toughest audiences yeah. around. I know. Well, it was me getting up early with the kids, making sure they got their cards written. You know, Aaron was sleeping. Um, and then, yeah, then she came down and read the cards. I wrote her, I write her letters, handwritten letters. And this year I did a Dear Diary. <laughs> so I was like, it was from the perspective of me writing in my journal about Aww. her, you know? Aww. So you had Pretty a theme. Pretty slick. It was pretty slick. It's, so you had a theme. Like, Dear Diary, it's day 48 of quarantine, and my God, I love my wife more today than I ever have. Do you know it's so fucking crazy? And I swear to God, I swear to everything that is holy to me, I wrote day 48. I said, yes. I said, Dear Diary, it's quarantine day 48. That's how I literally how I started the entire thing. That's really funny you said that. But yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I did. Well, that's I knew exactly that because she sent she sent me the letter and oh, uh, okay. I made some corrections. I sent it back. I'd like you to <laughs> work on a couple areas. I thought you kind of lost it. Uh, you lost direction. It's bad. Isn't it bad? I was thinking about this when I was writing Michelle's opus in her in the card that I got her. Uh, isn't it bad when you're writing something handwritten and you make a mistake? Yes. And how you, how you try yep. every possible way to make it look like you didn't make a mistake or you start a thought and you're like, ah, it's not mm. really where I want to go with this or this. I'm stuck. Yep. You're dead. I mean, you, and then you, then you write the dumbest sentence you've ever written to transition out of oh, it yeah. to go somewhere oh, else. Dude, that's a, such a great point. I'm not afraid of a scribble out though, because I think it adds character and, there's a, <laughs> you know, it's like my thoughts are stream of consciousness in a way, but I, I totally agree. I will start a sentence and I'm like, your eyes are like the color of, wait a minute. Um, fuck, that's <laughs> horrible. Okay. Now I have to recover. And now it's like, your eyes are like the color of, ah, and then I have to reread it. Like a yeah. few times to get back in the mode. To get in the flow. To get <laughs> yeah. to see where this is going. And then all yeah. of a sudden something hits you. And you're yeah. like, your eyes are, are yeah. the color of 
I remember the first time I saw those eyes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was in love the first second. Those are these eyes. Okay. <laughs> Totally. I mean, but it was good. I got some tears out of it, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And then she wanted to clean the house. So we did the whole family house clean. Like that was what she wanted for Mother's Day. You know. But was she a part of the cleaning or was that her oh, gift? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. But she wanted all of us to do like a deep clean. So I turned on some music, Black Crows to be specific, and we just like went to town. Mm. You know, she never mentions what, what was what's your go to Black Rose song since that's such a part oh, of your God. life. Oh, I don't know. I, it's albums like they, I just put on albums of theirs. I, I just I, I, you know, I was a Black Rose fan long before Kate met Chris, you know. Oh, OK. Yeah. So he's been he's been a, part, a big part of my life. Um, and then nothing, man. It's it was we didn't you know, I cooked dinner and it was just pretty basic. My mom and, and Kurt cruised by on their e-bikes and did her like a little wave. What's an e-bike? It's a bike that's uh, that's electric, basically. You can pedal it and, you know, there are certain modes where pedal assist, you go like 28 miles per hour. But <laughs> 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 sounds like, horrible. No, it's great. You can get anywhere you want. You know? Yeah, I know, but it just sounds dangerous. 28 miles an hour. Yeah, they can go pretty quick. I mean, there's certain ones that go faster than others, you know, but yeah, it's nice for them though. Kurt's like, eh, I'm just going to head to San Jose. I'm like, what? Uh, you know, and he's just on like, the bike? <laughs> yeah, he goes so far. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. is it weird? It would be weird for me to drive through the streets of LA and see Snake Pliskin on an e bike. Well, he does wear an eye patch. <laughs> when, he's, when he's on his e-bike. So. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> and it'd be only because people would be driving by going, there's no way that's Kurt Russell wearing an iPad. No, I mean, right. No, on an e-bike, it would just, it would look very strange. I, that, that's what I've noticed with masks. In I was at, finally went to a grocery store, mm -hmm. saw everybody geared up in their mm -hmm. masks. And outside of actually, you know, shaking somebody's hand, the other part of human interaction is just warmly smiling at somebody and it's gone. Yeah. Like you can't, unless you can, you know, somehow it's, it's going to have to be an eye thing. Yes. Like now it's just like, <laughs> right. You smile with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling under here. It's like Marty Feldman in uh, Young <laughs> Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I had a great idea for a mask because everyone's doing, you know, printed masks now. It's like the thing. But what if you were able, and you, I'm sure you could do this, take a picture of your face and then just have them do the mask as the from the nose down to your mouth, but of your actual face. So it looks like your face. Would you be in a... Uh, permanent Smiling, yeah. Like You'd a be smile. smile. Yeah. Hi, hey, I'm Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> That would look, um, look stupid. Dude, that would be amazing. They would sell like hotcakes. If you could just print your own face. How about if you print, if I wore your mask and yeah. you wore my mask? Yeah, totally. You could do celebrities lower half of their faces. You Think of the mean? crimes you could get away with. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, break. I, yeah. <laughs> It's like Nixon, Nixon. Uh, Nixon, Reagan, and Oliver Hudson came in and robbed uh, a Walgreens today, and you just lost your mask. That was the yeah. problem. All of a sudden, you're getting handcuffed uh, and let out. I like I, that. I, but I, I really think 
this could be a business. Maybe we should put it under the daddy issues banner. Yeah, we have to expand that. This has got to become an empire. Yeah, it's it's getting too big as it is. So we should we we need to uh, scale this thing, right? Now. We do. We need help. Yeah. We need help managing all of the interest that exists. <laughs> um, I've done yeah. more Zoom, and and our guest today, when she pops on, I, I interviewed her for a show. She's from St. Louis. Who grew up in St. Louis, so I interviewed Nikki Glazer for a show here, and she's so worn out by Zoom calls. I've, this is my fourth Zoom call of the day. No. Uh, yeah, it is. It's 12.15 Central Time on Tuesday. And I was on Zoom calls for Fox earlier today and another company, and now here we are. And eventually you get tired of just looking into that green dot up there and making fake eye contact and talking into your computer. It's just, it's feels moronic. Oh God. I mean, of course. I think everyone's, you know, Zoom has Zoom fatigue for sure. You know. Mm-hmm. But I don't look into the green dot. Are you looking into the camera like this? I do. I, I look I think at it, you. I don't look at I look up there. Doesn't it look like my eyes are higher than they should be? Yeah, I'm but I don't care. Here. I want to see you. You know what I mean? Like I don't you know, it's it's not really about making eye contact with you. That's... Well, when you do like actual TV stuff or you're on a Zoom call, I I, I feel like I, I, HBO, well, they sent out... You're trained. I, you're trained. You, you go this... through a training. Like you need right. to sit. It needs to be eye level and you need to look at the lens, not at the yeah. screen. And you need... Yeah, it's... But know. we're not on camera, really. <laughs> this is just for you and I to sort of be able to participate in semi-person. You know? Reconnoiter. So. That's what yeah. it's called. So about you and me reconnoitering before the, our guest arrives. What's reconnoitering? Just, is that, you know, catch that, it up. Is that a real word? Let's sit around and connoiter. Yeah, it's it's, it's catching you, up. How do you know that word? That's a word that I, uh, I'm really, I've always been good with the word connoiter. <laughs> you connoiter your wife? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, how was uh-huh. your How was your uh, Mother's Day though? Did you guys just do the same shit? Same thing. I mean, it's hard to cook with two year olds, mm-hmm. but I did, and we made her uh, avocado toast with eggs, mm. um, little cheese on top. Uh, what kind of cheese is it? That Greek kind of oh feta. Feta. We threw some feta on top. Nice. And then nice. the boys put their own little fake things, like they have a fake thing of juice and a fake thing of vegetables and a fake thing of waffles, uh, but that was their contribution to the tray. Then we did, and you know what her main gift was this year? What? Zeisel. I don't know what that is. It's it's an allergy medicine. Every night she wakes up at two o'clock in the morning. We live in yeah. St. Louis. Allergies are horrible right now, and right. she can't breathe. And one day last week, she's like, you know what? I need some Zeisel. So that's when I went in and saw these people <laughs> in the store not smiling at me as I was stupidly trying to smile through a mask. And boom, uh, I saw Zeisel. I got it. I wrapped it in wrapping paper. She opened it. She took it last night after an entire bottle of wine, thought she was risking death, but she woke up right. and uh, woke up with uh, less of an issue with her allergies. So that's nice. good. Well, maybe we can get them on as a sponsor since we just gave them a nice little free plug. You know? Yeah, they have that. They have, they have the owl, like the Zeisel owl. You've seen mm, the ads. Yeah. Very, very yeah. aristocratic owl. That, that's a very thoughtful gift, you know? 
It's, it's one of those that it proves yeah. you're paying attention. A hundred percent. By the way, it's that's such a smart gift. Very, very fucking smart gift. Anyone yeah. can go out and buy a, a piece of jewelry or or whatever, right? Shoes yeah. or whatever it is. Means nothing. Means nothing. But if you buy that simple thing that just shows that you're listening, that is worth its weight in gold. I got my first wife one time for Christmas a level and a thing that you put to find uh whatever they call them on walls so you don't Studs. try to not stud a stud finder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that didn't go over so well. It didn't? <laughs> no. We were we were in a stretch where we were putting new stuff up on the walls. I'm like, oh, and that could be great. We can we'll get a level and a stud finder. And I wrapped them up and that was met with uh not not a warm yeah. oh, feeling. God. Well I got my wife a stud finder, but it it's always going off. <laughs> So she had to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> and where's it you pointing? Know. Is it pointing at you yeah, or at yeah, the, no, the, at the just, mailman? It's, no, it's me. It's it's just it's you know, it's just it senses me and it's just always beeping, so we had to get rid of it. That would get annoying. It's like your uh your door chime every time your kids open the door. It's become part of the it's become part of the deal. It's we should get an alarm company to be a sponsor. I think ADT does stuff. Every time Oliver's children open the door, and yours can too. Do you want a beeping sound to ruin your podcast? Have we got an answer for you? Yeah. God. So other than that, I went on a mountain bike ride yesterday for the first time. I got outside and it was fucking phenomenal. Do you feel I've better really about yourself now? Because I feel up. like you're you were so dark about your uh, body image. It's starting to get better. I I didn't drink this week. I drank one day this week. That's all. Um, I've been drinking uh, this Athletic Greens, which is another free plug. Um, hopefully they can sponsor the show. It's really good shit. It's like all the it's all you need in a scoop of powder. All your greens and minerals ground up, boom. And that's been great. Uh, no bread, no pastas. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get on the right track here. Yeah, you look you look slimmer. I can see it in your face. For reals? Yeah. I think I've just been drinking too much. You know, I think that's been a, a big thing. Um, but honestly, you know, yeah, no, the anxiety's still there, dude. It's weird. I actually have a... Uh, a session with my shrink tomorrow and I haven't seen him in a few months now because we were, I think we were not done. You're never done, but it was like, all right, I think we're good for a minute. It's been four years, you know, is this the guy you tried to get me onto? Yeah. Years ago. He's awesome. Where does he live? Miami. Yeah. But I've just been feeling this sort of tightness in my throat and you know, anxiety. That's that's Aaron's hand around your neck. Yeah. Even when it's not there though, I feel it, it. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that that you're kind of you're pulling out of your no, nose. I'm pulling out a little bit. You know, I went and got a, a corona test, um, not because I feel like I have it. I just wanted to see what the process was like. You know, because the testing site is right by my house here, and it was like an hour line of just snaking through this line, and you know, everything is window up, and I did the whole swab and. And I'm waiting for the result. But of course, in the five days I've been waiting, I'm thinking like, you know, oh, fuck, what if I have it? And I'm asymptomatic and now I'm infecting my entire family. And, you know, you don't have it. 
no, I, I'm pretty sure I don't. But, you know, I just, there's a little spiraling that happens every now and again. But I'm pulling out. I'm pulling but out. But I don't think you're any different than anybody else. You would, you would have to be completely detached from reality to think that there's no chance you could have this virus. I mean, right. I, I, we came, we were in Europe when this whole thing kind of mushroomed. I remember, yeah. And coming back, I was convinced uh, that both Michelle and I, but that you get the psychosomatic, yeah. oh, my chest feel, every time I breathe in, it tickles, mm-hmm. it feels tight. I've got kind of a, a headache, I'm sore, but shit, I'm 51, I'm sore every day. That's just mm-hmm. kind of the way it is. No, uh, I know, I know. I know exactly. And that's where meditation comes in and, you know, just just centering myself, being more mindful, getting back to my fucking Hoffman roots, bro. That's that's been the process. It's weird, though. I took a bit of a turn. I, you know, I, I just losing it a little bit just where just cooped up. I think I don't know. But anyway, my mountain bike ride was amazing. Um, I just, you know, pedaling, sweating seeing vast view of something it was nice they just reopened trails and stuff here and do you LA. listen to music when you do it yeah i listen to mar i listen to some bob marley actually oh yeah it was steer nice. it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was that i listened to steer it up ah. about little the- darling. yeah 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 uh three little birds yeah which is the name birds. of that song? I got that wrong on a uh, Red Sox playoff game one time. They were playing that. Now I'm blanking on all the lyrics, but three little birds run oh, my doorstep, doorstep singing sweet song. Let's get together and feel all right. This was in the beginning. You, you, you probably thought it was Don't Worry About a Thing. That's what I, yeah, yeah which is a different song. That. Right. That's another commercial jingle. Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing. Steve. One of our audio guys is like, uh, yeah, that, that song's called Three Little Birds, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, it's funny. I've been reading comments, you know, about our podcast. and I don't. Well, I don't read them often, but but one talked about the Randy Moss call, and they're like, "I thought Joe Buck was such a prude after that Randy Moss call, but but this podcast has changed my mind about that." So. Yeah, that's awesome, great. I'm so glad. <laughs> don't be upset, Jesus. I'm Christ. not upset. I just love reviews. I even if you go on Yelp, I I don't have it in me to give like a real review. I'm glad people do, and I'm glad that person man or woman enjoys me more than he or she thought they would but i i don't know it's not about enjoying you i think you've had this little this this conception there's perception about you that you were sort of prudish you know when you're like that what is he doing that is that is disgusting disgusting (laughs) yeah Well, get over it. It's like 2004. <laughs> I know it was a very long time ago. Yeah, get over it. Uh, that I feel like that was one of your. You know who got over you, it fast? You, Randy. <laughs> he didn't hey, give two shits. If you if you could take back one call, would that yeah. be it? No. Somebody just asked me this for uh, the athletic, and I said in the beginning part of my answer, I said most people would think ah that would be my answer. 
but it was not my answer. I, I said, I have to live with whatever I have to. It's not fair to go back and go, oh, I wish I had said that. I, I want to take that back because I would do that all day and night for no, everything. But is there that anyone that, you, that came out of yes. your mouth where you're like, oh, shit. Not not like an oh shit, but when I listened back, I my answer was the 2006 World Series, which the Cardinals beat the Tigers, and I was it was so in my head, all the noise about oh you're from St. Louis and your dad's face is on the outfield wall and you're such a Cardinal homer that I just downplayed everything Cardinals, upplayed everything Tigers, and when the Cardinals won, I'm like. And the Cardinals went. It was just so dead ass. <laughs> and I listened back to it. I was like, oh my God. Because when you're doing it, you don't really, you know, there's a lot of crowd noise in your headset and whatever. And then you go back and you listen and you're like, you want to be so proud of all these big moments. And for the yeah. most part, I am. And then I listen to this. I'm like, ah, oh, never again. It makes me want to throw up. Wow. I got to go listen to that. I want to, I want to hear it. Is it, do you think it's, is it worse in your head than it is in everyone else's? You know what I well, mean? Well, like, I think so, but I think anybody in saying, they all think I hate the Cardinals, which is hilarious, but, uh, it probably stems from, from, yeah, of course, stems from moments like this. And, and I, Anybody that wants to say that I should have been more excited for the it's the end of the World Series. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who wins. And that's mm-hmm. my whole point. And and I, I took the bait. I took the mm-hmm. cheese, as they say. And yep. uh, I vowed after listening back to that that I would never do it again. And I, I don't feel like I have. Well, so, that's good. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you my... Do you ever see yourself on screening? Of oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all the time. I mean, it's just very self-critical. But like, I have one. I have a specific moment in rules of engagement that just fucked me up, where I could not remember my lines to save my life. But the whole scene, I just lost it in front of a live audience, and uh, everyone's laughing, and the audience is laughing because it's funny at first, and then it gets tragic because I can't remember mm. my lines, and God. there's just silence. Just, the audience is not laughing now, and I finally lose it. I'm like, all right, fuck this. Here's what we're going to do. Cameras come over here. Script supervisor, the person who knows the line, who has the script, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell me the fucking first part of the line. Great. Here we go. Ready? Boom. We're filming. What's the line? Uh, Jen, you needed to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Jen, blah, 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 blah. Great. Where's my next mark? Boom. Move the cameras. I, I just directed the whole thing until I got it done after she was reading me the lines and I was just basically repeating them. And I was like, good, we're done. Moving on. And of course, the audience was like cheering and it worked out. But yeah, you know, in the end for them. But can you tell hor- when you watch horrifying. it back? Horrifying. Can you tell when you watch it back that it's no. not? no. You can't really, you know what I mean? Like that's the beauty of editing. What would kill me in your business, and and I've done some of it, very little, is when the person in charge of picking what take mm-hmm. picks one that isn't your pick. Like you, you know what I mean? Like when you feel like, oh, sh- I I nailed that, or and then yeah. you watch it back and it's your C plus version. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's but they take it. That's. That's what we do, you know. That's why we're sort of actors for hire until we're in the until we're in the editing room and, and actually, you know, making edits ourselves. But no, dude. I mean, you lay it down, you lay down takes, and then you know they can make or break you. Really, I mean, a performance can be made in the editing room and then completely destroyed in the editing room. I mean, I've done right. shows that I won't mention. You know, one in particular where you do the scene and you're like, 
oh shit, like that was a good scene, you know, felt that one. All right, good, good day. And then you watch it back and so much is cut out of it and so many different weird cuts. And you're like, holy fuck. They just destroyed yeah. that thing, you know? And then there's God. other times where you just shit the bed and then it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, all right. That turned out pretty good. Hello. Hey. Uh, Hi, guys. It's you. Is this your 57th Zoom call today or what? It's my second, but, um, and that's, yeah, it's, I've, I've, my radio show stopped, um, last week it ended. So I'm, I'm really actually starved for broadcasting. So this is pretty awesome. What you want on, on serious? Yeah. My contract was up and, um, they just, uh, couldn't afford to keep me. And then I, and then I was like, you know what? Everyone's struggling let's do it i'll i'll do it for what you want and then they were like actually we don't have any money um so we're not gonna <laughs> so like, uh yeah so i'm i'm starting a new podcast which i i definitely wanted to talk to you guys about um because i know yeah. oliver last time we met you were telling me about your guy yeah going Sim. the independent yeah independent route versus um i got a couple offers from networks and i just don't know yeah. Which way to go? Well, we will have a conversation, by the Sweet. way. Yeah. And uh, Sim is salivating in one of those blocks up there at the top <laughs> of our Zoom call. Like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. Nikki Glazer, Nikki Glazer. Uh, you know, our our Zoom call should be better than most because Nikki is about a 10 minute drive from me right now. <laughs> yes. She's the only person I will ever talk to that's actually in St. Louis at the same time I'm sitting in St. Louis. It took a quarantine to make this I happen. I know that actually is, that's true. You're the only person in this town that I've talked to on Zoom. That's amazing. <sighs> I know. St. Louis is here. Diehard St. Louis. You moved when you were six, right? Is that right? Yeah, to St. Louis, yes. So Cincinnati means nothing to you. It it doesn't mean nothing because my whole family is from there and I've been back there a ton and um and my parents claim that that's like my hometown but yeah I mean I I definitely uh, consider myself a St Louis and much more than a Cincinnati. What you don't know, Oliver, is us. For those of us in St Louis, we categorize one another by asking what high school you went to. Yeah. So she went to Kirkwood. That means I know everything about her. I know <laughs> her socioeconomic background. Yep. I know what she did in high school. I know the kind of chick she is. I went to Country Day, now called MICDS okay. for her yeah. generation. And that means that I'm a snobby prick. And that's yeah, that's, that's what she it's thinks. It's fucking called Country Day. I mean, it just, <laughs> it it just sounds like that. Joke. It does. Yeah, I, I'm guilty. I, that's me. That, that's, I am a Country Day boy. That's, yeah. Well, Joe's been trying to get me to come to St. Louis. And I've never been... And I don't really know why, but I give him shit about living in St. Louis because I want him to move out to L.A. Right. So he can be with me. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I know. I'm I'm it looks like you can like have a career not living in L.A. I didn't know that, but it really seems kind of um, an option now. And I'm you can. considering it. You can because you're all over the place. I'm all over the place doing play by play at, at events. So it's easy yeah. for me to come back to St. Louis. You're on tour. Yeah, you were just in St. Louis not long before this yeah. quarantine hit, right? In February, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, and so you're here. 
Yeah, it's a yeah, it's I'm 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 looking at like maybe moving here and having a place here, but it's right now it's just so up in the air. But um, and I'm I'm between moving back to LA too. I don't I just don't know, and there's no information about like where to go or what's open when it will be open. There's just no. I'm just taking it day by day, but um, for now, where are I'm, are you in St. You're in St. Louis, though, right now. Are you? Yeah, I'm in St. Louis now, but I have I have an apartment in uh, New York that I just got March first, and I just have boxes there. And I'm moving out. I'm breaking my lease and moving out um, this month because there's just no. I have no idea when I'm moving back, and it's just just sitting there. And so, are you out. all alone now? Are you just alone? No, no, no. no she I, is in the cradle of her own civilization with mom and dad and her dog. Her oh. Instagram is a great follow because she's now back. Which I've talked to Nikki on another thing we did together, which has got to be just writing a new special and or routine daily by living with mom and dad. Yeah, it's there's a lot of material coming out of this. Um, my mom and dad, I mean, I just got into a fight with my mom in the kitchen because she's not taking the CBD oil that I got for her <laughs> for her neck pain. And she's like, it tastes bad. So I was like, she was like, you try it. So I just did it and was like, it's nothing, mom. It's nothing. And she's like, <laughs> She's like, I could yell at you about a lot of stuff. And then it just got into a whole thing. So, I, I mean, it's high school again. It really, it, it truly is. Um, I can't, I don't know how much longer I can stay here. But now that I'm moving out of my apartment in New York, I literally have nowhere else to go. So I might get an Airbnb or something. But the alternative of living with nobody, and I have no friends in St. Louis, there's no one to hang out with. I mean, my parents are my best friends right now too. So we have an okay situation. I think it's as, as um, you know, as tumultuous as any other family living together in any way, but um, I got to find a husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all it comes down to. Where, how do you get your weed in St. Louis? I, my friend ships it to me from okay. LA. Yeah. Like okay. under, under what just, name? Like Captain Nicole. America? <laughs> Nicole. Yeah. Oh, really throws really? everyone off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Joe, so, it doesn't uh, matter that much. Uh, you know what I mean? You can ship weed and put Joe Buck on it. You're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah no but one just cares. don't. No one don't. cares, Joe. We're living in a new generation. <laughs> Joe, I'll send you some. Don't worry. I'll, okay. I'll... Just drop it off. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm over here. I'm in Ladue. <laughs> You're in Ladue. Oh, my of God. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to be. Nikki and I, Nikki and I, I think we were doing Anthony Anderson's show. Is it, was that to what it was? Tell the truth. Yeah, yeah. And like right before we start, she pulls out these caramels. I think they were caramels. And I was like, oh, shit, can I have one of these? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes it so easier to get through. Like, uh, I think we I, I think I went halfway through the show and I was like, I've got it. And then I was yeah. like, now, like, let's have a little fun. Right. Um, right. Are you not worried of just being if, if it's an edible? Are you not worried of, of it hitting you like a ton of bricks and you just being completely rudderless in the water? Um, that actually gives me such a thrill. I feel like I, the chance that that could happen, I really live for that adrenaline of like, oh my gosh, what is this going to be? I think I started taking edibles and started smoking weed, um, before performances just to feel nervous again and to be like, what's going to happen? Uh, because I just don't get nerves anymore. And I think that was something that inspired me to write and just be on my best behavior on, or just try harder. And I've just become so lackadaisical about appearances 
that I needed something when I'm high before I go on stage, it makes me like, Oh my gosh, what if I don't remember? It makes me focus more. I don't know what it is, but I, 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 I've started to see, like, I can see when I'm high and it looks like my eyes just kind of get like, Oh, you know, it's not, they just, I don't think it's good for your face. My <laughs> eyes just tend to like sag and look tireder. And so I just can't do it now out of pure vanity. And which is always what makes me stop doing all of the fun things is when it starts affecting my looks. I know. Oliver, you've never done anything like that, have you? No, never in my life. <laughs> I mean, I thought I mean, your head was going to fall <laughs> off. You were nodding so rigorously when she was going through her description of being high on stage. You, you oh, well, I, but you, I, I understand what she means, though. Yes. Like, 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 you know, I like when I get too high because it's almost scary in a way. You yes. Know? It's, where it's just like, oh fuck, I'm way too high right now. Like I can't, I like I can't deal with my kids. Like I'm like I'm too fucked up. I'm too high. But right. it almost feels like kind of nice to be scared and to be weird. scared to have yeah. to have um, to not know what you're doing, to not have your bearings, mm -hmm. and it makes you. It just makes me. Those are the times that I've really excelled in my life when I've been the most nervous or the most anxiety ridden beforehand. So I kind of like to put myself into that state. However, I have found that, you know, since moving back home and having less to do all day, I just start kind of smoking weed whenever I feel like whenever it occurs to me. Sorry, my mm -hmm. phone is on. That's so unprofessional. And it's quite right. I'm so high. Um, <laughs> my, my weed just got delivered. The ring app got alerted. Um, so, yeah, I was I was just starting to feel like I just I'm doing it too much. And I think that's like anything you just. It, it used to be a treat, you know, it used to be after I was done performing or it would be right before I performed if it was kind of like an easy set. And now it's just like one of the things I do and I'm, it's losing its luster and I'm starting to have the side effects of memory loss, just not being as sharp. And I just can't, I got to get back. I'm going to, my tolerance has got to get back up because uh, Oliver, don't you find that the more you do, the more you don't feel high when you're high. You yeah. just, you almost feel high when you're not high like yeah. that, because that's the state that you're yes. least in. I, I, am, I, the memory loss thing is real. Like yeah. the, short, the short term memory shit where something will be in my head that I have to go do or make a call and it will fly out of my head so fast that it's almost scary that I don't have any recollection of what it was uh -huh. other than other than the fact that I knew that I was having to do something. But aside from that, that's it. I have no fucking idea. And I've had to let it go because that in itself can bring on anxiety for me where I'm like, holy fuck. Do I have like yeah. early onset happening right now? Yeah. And we're, and I think it's, it's not good. I mean, the more that that happens, it's starting to happen on stage. And I was thinking, Oh, it's just because, you know, I go up and I don't really, um, have material. I don't like look at jokes before I go on stage. I was doing like an hour and 20 minutes on my last new hour and I would just look at my notes and then it would just be kind of stream of consciousness. And I was on stage and I would go off on these tangents, which is how I build material now is I just, you know, take a premise on stage and then I talk it out. And then the, the funny lines start coming. First of all, I never remember any of the funny lines I say because they're in the moment and I don't write them down. So I always have my um, opening acts like watching and then I go, Andrew, write that down. But he's usually like going through his DMs because he just mm -hmm. performed and he's trying to like find someone to sleep with that <laughs> night. But he's not listening. So then I legitimately started asking the audience. 
I, I did it the other night. I did a Zoom stand-up show and I had a couple great lines. I had one line about, which I someone sent to me because I, I was a little bit, I've been smoking too much meat, weed. My short-term memory is non-existent. And I, and I said during the Zoom stand-up show, I was like, that was a good joke. Someone please tweet me that later because I mm-hmm. won't remember it. And I, yesterday I taped Conan and I had done the stand-up set the night before and all day I'm just refreshing my Twitter being like, please, someone send that to me. And they sent it to me right after I was done taping and I was like, damn uh-huh. it. And the joke was so funny. It's, um, it was about, well, I, t- I talked about it on Conan, but it was about how I've never in my life, um, since I'm living with my parents, I can't date right now like i can't even imagine like if i was living alone i'd probably risk it i'm i'm i know that i i don't want to catch it but mm-hmm. if i did i feel like i wouldn't be one of the ones that's gonna die from it although right. you don't know right but i'm just <laughs> so it's just getting so ridiculous i think yeah. i would go on like a social distance hike with a guy however i can't even do that right now because of i might bring it home to my parents who you know are fragile and old and um and so it's just, I've never felt, I feel like a hero because I'm not like having sex right now. I'm like, oh, I'm not having sex because I want my mom to live, which is never something I would ever <laughs> think that I could say. And the line that I came up with was, uh, I'm, I don't want my, my, I don't want my mom to be intubated. So I'm not getting intubated anytime <laughs> soon, which I just thought was a good line. I'm like, damn it. I forgot. But I, I constantly say stuff and I've got a, you know, the Mitch Hedberg used to have a great joke about this same thing, which is, you know, when you, and he was high all the time. I mean, he mm-hmm. died of getting high, but he, uh, you know, of, of things mm-hmm. that I haven't yeah. touched yet. yet. Right. Right. But, um, You're he used only, to have this joke. Yeah. He used to have this joke that, he would be in bed and he would think of a joke and he was so lazy and didn't want to get paper and pencil that he would convince himself that the joke wasn't funny instead of going and writing it down. <laughs> so genius. <laughs> it's so good. Amazing. But that's what I do all the time because I just, I, I, the amount of th- funny thoughts that come to me during the day, I just, I can't keep up with them and they're, they're lost all the time. And I always convince myself I'm going to remember them. And I, what about your phone? Ever- just speaking into your phone. I've done I mean, that a lot, um, but it's it's just sometimes you just convince yourself like I'll remember it, and I just mm-hmm. never I just never do, and it's, and so I'm 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 actually really trying to quit pot and see if yeah. it helps with my short term memory. But what about your funny? What about the ratio of what's actually funny when you're super high to what it isn't? Because sometimes, oh. I, yeah, because sometimes I'll be like, oh shit, that was am- that's amazing. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna like develop this into fucking the next great comedy or whatever. Yeah. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh god, that was just fucking lame. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that happens so much. And again, I always think in the time, like maybe this is just a high idea and this isn't like a real good idea. But I'm like, no, this time it's genius. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they are really good ideas. Oh, yeah. I find that my best like career decisions and creative decisions on like a macro scale also happen when I'm either um, in some kind of trance state, like uh, whether I'm like on a long run, they'll come to me. I always come off of long runs like, I need to call this person and this person. I have all these grandiose ideas. I'm going to start this YouTube show. And it just never, it's somehow never gets done. So can you, funny. can you, can you so, meditate? Yeah. Like I, I, you have so, I feel like you have so many thoughts going through your head, especially somebody that does a high wire act on stage. that's not really writing down jokes. That's trying to live in the moment. 
how do you shut off and actually quiet everything so that you can get some sort of benefit from meditating? I really, I meditating, I meditate every single day and it's something that I just never skip out on. It's, I treat it like brushing my teeth. I just, uh, I just once a day. No, uh, I, I brush my t- <laughs> twice a day, but I do once a day. I meditate for 20 minutes. I do TM. I don't, I honestly don't because know how I shut it off because of Stern. It really, yeah. well, the original, I originally um, took the TM course because um, Amy Schumer bought it for a bunch of her friends after she took it and was like, everyone needs to do this. So I was like broke. This was like eight years ago. She bought the course for me. I learned how I did it for a couple months, but I was like, eh. and then I got wildly depressed like two years ago. Just, you know, I, I think I had weaned myself off of Zoloft because I was like, Ugh, this is making me feel numb. I just want to be normal again so i responsibly got myself like back on no meds and then i just got walloped by you know i moved to new york i i was starting a new show uh i just i had broken up with a boyfriend and i was just so depressed and then i watched comedians in cars getting coffee with howard stern it was an outtake that was on youtube that talked about tm and howard stern talked about how his mom had started doing TM and and when he was a kid and his mom's depression sounded a lot like mine. And he was like, I got my mom back. And I was like, I want my mom back. And so I just started doing it and it, it, I've done it ever since every day for the past like two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I don't, the only thing I can say about it is that because I know if I can do it, anyone can do it because my thoughts are all over the place. And it's the one time of day that I really, I don't, I don't struggle with it. I don't know why it just, it's really calming and, and I look forward to it. Well, it's a practice because you obviously have practiced it enough to where you can drop in much easier now, right? Like yes. in the beginning, cause I love meditation. I actually have to get back to it, but I was going through a period where I was every day and then you boom, you can just drop in much quicker. And so the struggle is less is it's not as hard and and you get less frustrated once you get over the hump yeah, um you it's, know it's the thing about meditation that i think is just everyone needs to know is that you can't do it wrong and it's mm-hmm. just i love that it's so forgiving cuz i'm such a perfectionist that no matter what i do even if i don't think the mantra the entire time it's still done something i mean there are times where i'm just thinking about Like I just meditated and the whole time I'm just thinking about jokes I didn't say on Conan that I wish I would have and thinking about this and I'm thinking about, oh, what am I going to regret saying on, on, on this that I, or or regret not saying. And, and, but by the timer went off, I was like, I still accomplished something, even though I did not say my mantra even once it Mm -hmm. still was something. Totally. By the way, I'm weaning off of Lexapro and like an asshole decided to do it in the middle of quarantine. Oh, boy. Oh, and boy. So well, there it is. I, I, I mean, that's... Go, I had to go back up five milligrams because I'm like, wait a minute, Ugh. wait a minute. I'm feeling, I don't know if I'm feeling great right now. Yeah, now's not really the time. Now's the time because we have the time to do it, but now's not the time because because it's so, it's just, I'm trying to do a lot of self-help stuff too. Like I'm really immersing myself because you got the time for it, but drudging up all these feelings along with losing so many of my jobs and living with my parents. I'm like, is this the right time to work on my eating disorder? I don't know. Maybe I should just lean into it a bit more. (laughs) You, uh, I don't, you're the first female we've had on our uh podcast and i I think you're the perfect guest 
for a lot of different reasons. We'll get into the dad stuff in a minute, but I, I feel like you have been so open about everything. I'm, I'm sure you can't hide much when you're a comedian, but at the same time, you you really throw it all out there. And 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 I've done more of that in the last couple of years. And Oliver's always been that way. I it's such a freeing way to go that. I, I, I'm in awe of somebody like you that's talked about an eating disorder or quitting alcohol or, you know, how shy you were in high school. And now it, yeah. it's just crazy to me where you've gotten to where you're able to stand on a stage in L.A., I assume, and, and rip on Alec Baldwin, Robert De Niro and anybody else in that in that special, which is one of the greatest sets I've ever seen because you took no prisoners and it takes serious guts to stand up there and be what you were that night. Uh, I, I admire it. I admire the way you're so open with who you are and what you've dealt with. Thank you. It's, um, I just, I'm really lucky that I don't seem to have, uh, the filter that other people do or the, um, the, the self-respect to have any kind of private life. <laughs> I don't really give myself that. I mean, there are things that I don't share, but I just, I think my whole, I mean, I was just, I, to be honest with you guys, I just like recorded, like, I didn't even want to talk about this, but I think it's, it could help someone. I just recorded Conan yesterday. And I do want to talk to both of you about this. Cause I think you can help me feel better. And I just, I did I prepared for it as much as I could. I worked on my jokes. I worked on good anecdotes and, you know, we, we do a zoom conversation and it, I just got done with it. And then suddenly I was like, why did I say that? Why didn't I say that? Oh no, you could have said that. And the rest of the day I was like flooded by regret. Like, I mean, like, I'm not kidding you sobbing. My parents haven't seen me cry during this pandemic at all. And yesterday I was heartbroken at what I could have done. Why did I, why did I watch bachelor the bachelor the other night instead of writing for Conan? Why did I go on a hike with my friend instead of watching Conan? Why did I call my aunt? Like all these regrets. And I was, it was so painful yesterday to go through that, that I really was like, I got to quit this business because that happens to me about four times a year with high pressure things. The roast being one of them. I had so many regrets about some, a joke that I forgot to tell on that roast that I couldn't, function oh. for a week and then it ended up being the best thing that ever happened in my career so i know that these things you know conan's gonna air on thursday no one's gonna see an issue with it everyone's gonna be like that was great i'm gonna see every little problem do you guys struggle well, with well, that this is this is it's 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 really interesting because as free and open as you are right there are certain parts of your life where you just beat yourself up over and you you're not able to forgive yourself or just live truly in the moment, meaning, yeah. and, and by the way, Nikki, I've, I, this is the same shit that I've dealt with all my life. I'm, I, I'm in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is such a oh, great therapy yes. for me. And, and the idea that you did Conan, guess what? It's fucking over. It's I done. Uh, even if you shit the bed, it's fucking done. So why not? Why are you causing physical pain to your body? Why is your mind causing this emotional pain for no fucking reason because it's done. There's nothing you can do about it anymore. It's over. And when, when I was able to finally truly feel that, not just cerebrally, but like emotionally feel that I, I did that. I took a deep breath. I was like, 
oh my God, it was freeing for me. I was like, who gives a fuck? It's done. It's over. I can't do anything about it anymore. There's nothing I can do. It really does help to hear you say that um, because that is the conclusion I made ultimately. And my only issue was that it just kept coming back up. And I would like yesterday went on a run and I swear to God, there were four times that I just go, God, like I screamed to no one. Cause it would just be a, a thought would come in that like a hilarious joke that I'm like, Oh, when Conan did that, I could have said that. And it was like, and it just, this constant, um, you could have done better. Like I'm just a tiger mom to myself. Why didn't you study hard enough? You got, that was a C plus performance. You could have gotten an A your potential is so much greater than you're, than you're doing. And it's, um, I just, I fear for any kids I sometimes someday have because <laughs> the amount of pressure I put on myself is just, it's, it's, it's so much, but mentioning cognitive behavioral therapy is, is really helpful for me. Cause I've definitely read that book feeling good, uh, by David Burns. I saw his like Ted talk and it's like, what I need this. So I think I should look into that. I'm really, I'm, I'm dealing with emotional therapy right now. Here, here's what, here's what I would say to all that. Yeah, please. It's something, and, and not to name drop, but I talked about this very thing with the great Larry David, because he asked me, when you have a big moment in a game, do you think about what you're going to say or do you just react? And I said, I, I cannot write something out and make the situation in a live sporting event fit what I thought about that morning. So I would say to you, Nikki, if you quote unquote studied harder, or if you didn't go on that hike, or if you didn't do the things that, that you ended up doing prior to taping with Conan, and you're all the while trying to get to these moments that you've predetermined in your head to be so perfect, you're not going to be yourself. You're probably not going to be as funny. You're not going to be as as real. And you're you're not going to be what makes you great, which is, which is your ability to react in the moment. So I, I think those are two different performances. One is a thought yes. out, planned out kind of bullshit thing that you are trying to, to force feed. And the other is, is everything you do on stage, which I would say has more value to your career and to the appearance than trying to get. So, so that's what Larry said. He said, it's funny because when I do curb, I have to fight against trying to get to something that I I think in the morning is going to be funny because then the whole time I'm thinking about how do I get there instead of really just reacting off what everybody yes. else is doing. Gosh, so you're I I, th you yesterday. I I think you're handcuffing yourself if you do the opposite uh, preparation for any appearance. You're going to have to just live with what comes out like I do, like Oliver does, and know that it's better than anybody else can do and know that it's a and completely how is the different hike? experience. How is the hike? How is the yeah. hike? It was it was actually good. It was with an ex-boyfriend. It wasn't as satisfying as I wanted it to be, but it was, um, I got something. Out, you know, I got material out of it. I needed to see someone, you know, like these things that I can regret doing. You got to live a life. You just can't always work. But exactly. That is really helpful. And 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 it's funny because before I did because I was, you know, struggling with it this morning, even after um, sleeping on it. And um, and then I was focusing on, on on showing up here for you guys. And I was like, OK, instead of trying because I was like, maybe I'll look over my notes and I'll I'll get some jokes in that I missed. And then I go, no, why don't you just like 
be in the moment. And then a part of me was like, smoke a bowl and that'll make you feel less anxious about this. <laughs> and I did it because I wanted to be, I think that's important. I think yesterday made me realize I do want to be more present and not worry about this agenda that I have because it, and I did yesterday. And, and the worst part is I worried about an agenda that wasn't that good because it was all new jokes and new material that I'm, you know, trying to write all new quarantine material. And, um, and I was just all, going through a list at the end of the, even at the end of the interview, I go, hold on. I forgot a couple jokes. Can I just like rattle these off? And he's like, okay. <laughs> like it was just me trying to get to the, just like Larry. You're, David you're said. morphing into very, Richard Lewis. I know. I don't know what's how ha- I got to get out of this house. <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, it's just, it's torture, um, being, uh, being this hard on myself. And, and I keep getting told that by, every medical professional I see that I'm hard on myself. I'm hard on myself. And it just, I don't well, know. Where, when it where, will where do you think that comes from though? Like, why do you think that you're so fucking hard on yourself after you've proven to be extremely successful and you know, even the bad days don't affect your career, you know? So why are you so hard on yourself? It's so fun. Uh, the bad days. I feel like they might, like I was, they don't about Con- I was like, but what if I die of COVID and the last performance is this Conan one and it's just a C and then (laughs) that gets passed around and then everyone's like, that was what she was about. And I'm like, you don't know. I wanted to like, I would do anything to do that over. I know, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we're all too narcissistic when it comes to this shit because no one's going to give a shit when we die. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. (laughs) Our parents will, but no one's going to give a fuck. No one's going to look at Nikki and be like, oh, my God, she's dead. And did you see the last thing that she said on Conan? <laughs> I mean, no, no. Every, it, honestly, it's going to be like, oh, Nikki Glazer died. Oh, my God, that's so sad. Okay, what's for dinner? I mean, that's the, that's just that's just how we that, work these days. That was a joke. My dad, who was hilarious, used to say, you know, when I he did it in his grovelly voice, he'd say, you know, when I die. And I am going to die in the booth. Two people are going to be walking in downtown St. Louis, and one's going to turn to the other and say, hey, did you hear Jack Buck died in the booth last night? And the other one will say, oh, did the Cardinals win? (laughs) (laughs) And that's true. Everybody just moves on. They move Uh, on, man. That's a great thing to remember. It just all doesn't matter that much that it, much is this are these things that you guys have struggled with or have you always felt pretty um Jesus no yeah christ i mean just second guessing everything oh well i i i you know i'm in a different scenario where my self-worth and self-love was at an all-time low just because you know i had an interesting childhood a parent a child of divorce that fucked with me and then you've got kate my mom and kurt who are all like superstars and i'm trying to make it that really fucked with me comparing myself to everyone oh, yeah you know i wouldn't want to try too hard because the fall would be longer meaning if i really try hard and i fail it's gonna hurt more so why not just not try that hard you know right um i think that i have so much untapped talent even currently as we speak that for some reason i don't know why i'm either too lazy or afraid i'm still trying to figure all that shit out you know what i mean um there's something a force that stops me from doing the things that i know i can do yes okay that is that's it it's like uh, the untapped my potential and it's my parents are like 
they they have always loved my my averageness. Like they they don't they they're surprised that I'm ex- like ex- yeah, they, I'm I'm they've they've never pushed me to be anything more than what I was and I always really appreciated that and they were always very grateful that I got good grades and everything but never really demanded it or made me feel bad about it. So I do look and I go I wonder where this comes from and it is it's exactly that it's the comparing myself um it is the but it's 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 actually pretty pretentious because I do believe I'm like incredibly capable of so much more when people are like, wow, you killed it. I'm like, you have no idea what I could Mm -hmm. have done. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so much smarter and more talented than I let on and I'm tricking everyone. I mean that whole imposter syndrome, but I just have to, and my therapist used to say to me, which I loved, she would be like, this impost. She was like, so you just, you think you're smart enough to trick everyone. You think everyone's so stupid. And I was like, Oh, that's a good play. That's a good way to put it. No, I don't think anyone's stupid. So uh, I I just have to kind of, you have to trust other people's perception of you because inside here, it's just, I just, I just, I just don't know. I don't know what more you could do. I, when I, (laughs) as I follow you on Instagram and I see your travels and the way you guys have to move from city to city and you're doing, you know, show after show after show. I just feel like every time I see you pop up on my feed, I just feel like you gotta be so exhausted. And I, and I know that, I know that we all think we could have done better, but I think you have to be realistic or you would just be, you would be miserable, whatever leads you to, but it doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter, Joe, because it doesn't matter what any outside perspective is or any compliment that comes in. If you can't absorb it, if you don't have, again, that sense of true self-worth, then it means absolutely nothing. I've been complimented all my life and it doesn't mean shit to me because I I think we're all like this. I think everybody's like this. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. And I'm sorry to to shit on all of your transcendental bullshit, but I think we all <laughs> feel this way. Yeah. Everybody, unless you're a complete egomaniac, narcissist dick that nobody wants to hang out with, everybody thinks that they don't really measure up. Maybe it's all relative and it's all on a scale, but God, I mean, there's so many things I want to do, so many things I think I could do, so many things that I see. And I'm like, that's terrible. I could do that. Or you, you know, whether it's writing or yeah. stuff that's on TV, but we all feel that way. You're not, you're just more maybe aware of it or more fixated on it. And, but I, I really honestly believe that that's what drives performers yes. is, is the quest it's why you and I, Ali, like to play golf. You're always looking for the greatest round that you never find. You're looking <laughs> for the greatest set that you'll never give because when you do, you'll kind of feel like, eh, what's left? So you're yeah. always thinking it could be better. I've never let it. That really is that you just don't let it land. You don't let it in. You don't let any of the, I I can, I my ability to like, celebrate a win is so small. The, I give myself this much of a room to actually (laughs) let it in. And then it's like, what's next. And it's just, I don't know that it's the life I want. I'm kind of, sometimes I'm like, should I just get into another line of work where it's not this jumping from one accomplishment to the next, but I feel like in any field, I will still feel that way and feel in pursuit of something that I can never really even let in, even if I get right. Hey, have you ever heard of this, uh, the place called the Hoffman Institute? No. 
Okay. I'm not going to get into it. You can call me maybe after we can okay. talk about it. But I went there okay. almost two years ago in November, two years ago in, in December. And it's a, it's a seven day, um, I would, it's self-help is not even the right word, but it's about childhood patterns. And mm. you are in the middle of nowhere and you have no cell phones, no nothing. You can't run. You can't do yoga. You can't master. I mean, you can masturbate if you want. No one's checking on you. But anything that is there to sort of self-soothe you, you just eliminate. Oof. And it is going back into your childhood. And it's this idea that you've developed these negative love patterns from even the minute that you were born. And um, it's just about breaking these patterns. And the center of it is basically self-love and self-worth. And it's 38 people or so. And it was the most transforming, most amazing experience that wow. I've ever, ever had. I came out of there a different human being entirely. Different relationships with my mom, my stepdad, my dad. Wow. Personal relationships with them. With them. It, it's very, it was extremely profound. Um, and uh, it could be something that you you could vibe with. You can look it up, too, and see what it is. But Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was, it's I'm looking for anything like that. I mean, that... I've, I've been wanting to go do mushrooms or LSD or have some kind of like childhood epiphany where I heal something that's, you know, very deep down. But yeah, it's, it's all about childhood stuff. It, it, it is. It is. And speaking of that, did your dad notice these things when you were growing up? <laughs> my dad, like, um, my he, I don't think anyone noticed how intense I was. I think they definitely noticed that, um, I was a sensitive child and, uh, you know, crazy and kind of indifferent and weird and intense. But I was just um, my childhood was pretty perfect. Like I, there's no really there's no one to point a finger at. I mean, I was I'm I'm in therapy being like, can we find when I was molested? Like, is it mm -hmm. there? And they're like, mm -hmm. I'm, the other day, I swear to God in therapy, she literally looked at her notes and goes, so wait a second. So when were you molested? And I was like, I wasn't. And she was like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, she's like, you sound like someone who was. I was like, well, well, dig it out of me, Donna, because I don't know where it is. And um, I really didn't have any <laughs> like abuse that I can think of. I mean, yeah, it was it. it I, I had a really supportive, great nurturing, um, childhood, but my dad, um, my dad is like, grew up in a really volatile household and, uh, had a single mother in the, you know, sixties, fifties and sixties and, um, and, and lost his dad at a young age, but his dad was, you know, it, there was a, a lot of, I actually just called my aunt last night just to check in on her. And she told me a lot of stories. My dad hasn't even told me, which were shocking about my dad's childhood that really made me have some compassion for him today. But he really just set out to be the dad that his dad wasn't and was just ever the most fun dude ever. And maybe and not still is right. I mean, I've yeah, still is an amazing man. So and he broke, he broke the cycle in a way, you did. know, because I had the same situation where my dad's dad bailed on him when he was five. And then my dad left us, you know, and then I was determined at a young age to not be wow. that, that kind of a father, you know, that's yes. similar. And it, and it fueled you to be a better dad because you 100%. wanted to do that's, yeah. that's, I really did luck out in that way because it's not like, um, 
his not his siblings had a harder time with it, but he was just um, he came out of it so much, so strong, such a good provider. We n- never wanted for anything. Um, it, you know, they're not as good at feelings as maybe they could have been, but that's you know just mm-hmm. the generation that they what came about from. Being affectionate. Fact, my dad's <laughs> my dad's a little too affectionate. I really had to cut him off um, from. <laughs> well, I we we actually had to I. I had to stop him from mouth kisses. Like we just have always kissed on the mouth in my family, even growing up. Like, and I hate hated it. Like I remember because I didn't kiss a boy until I was like seventeen. I was very sexually stunted, and and I didn't have a boyfriend until I was twenty four. And I remember the first time I was like regularly kissing a boy was when I was like twenty four, when I had my first boyfriend. And then I went home to visit my parents, and my dad kissed me on the lips, and I kind of the wires crossed during the kiss. It just was it maybe it just. It felt like, do I stay longer or wait? What? Who is who is this? And then I was like, no more. We're not doing this. And my dad was like really hurt by it because he just, that's just, he goes, we kiss on the mouth in this family. And I was like, well, then why don't you kiss mom? <laughs> <laughs> but I had to, I really did have to cut him off and it hurts his feelings because I, I just, I really, because I'm single and I've been single for a while and I, I'm constantly examining it and and my fear of men and my fear of intimacy with men. I just don't let my dad hug me as much as he would want to. I don't like to get as close with him because I it's it's weird. I think cuz now when a guy I wish I went for men like my dad that treated me like my dad that looked at me like my dad. But when guys do, when men are really like you're so beautiful, you're so talented, I love you so much. It's like, that's my dad. And it makes me want to run. So it would be more helpful if my dad was like a scoundrel because that would make me not, you know, that would, if men were like that to me, I'd be like, you're like my dad, gross. But when having a good dad is um, actually been kind of detrimental to my, to my Mm -hmm. love life because no one's (laughs) as good as him. He's just loves me too much. Do you think you doing what you do as well as you do it and being so, quick, witty, open is intimidating to the potential dating pool for you? Like I, I, if, if, if somebody was dating Nikki Glazer and they, you Google Nikki Glazer yeah. and, and you know, you know, the bang it out tour or what you say about your, your own sexuality as a guy, you're like, Oh shit. you know, do I want to wade into that and become set number two at uh, right. the groundlings or the laugh factory in LA? Yeah. The groundlings. I think she's Whatever. past the groundlings. Whatever. <laughs> Shut up. That's what came to mind. Fuck off. Oliver. <laughs> I hope you have deep regrets about that all day, Joe. I hope it. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> believe I said the groundlings. I meant laugh factory. No, I know what you meant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think that that is definitely a thing. I, I like to think that it's not, and that a strong enough man can handle it. But I really, it did occur to me only just recently that being my boyfriend is very difficult because you will be talked about on stage. You will, and if you hurt me, you might, I might be angry enough to say something mean about you. Never by name, but I've been. Uh, I hope to not do this in the future because I don't like to be, you know, vindictive with my comedy, but I've, I've hurt men before by divulging too much and, and they knew what they signed up for. And then I've taken it a little too far. So I, I do think that that's a way that I think I keep men away 
is just by being as brazen on stage. So, oh, it's not that they don't like me or don't find me attractive or don't think I'm worthy of love. It's just that they, they have privacy issues. And mm-hmm. so it protects me when someone doesn't like me in that way. So I think that that's a little bit it. Um, but it, 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 it does, um, it's not lost on me. It was lost on me for a while that, um, I was just like, why doesn't anyone like me? And it's like, oh no, it's a liability to date a female comic. I think the other day, my, a male comic who I have dated was quoted as saying, it's embarrassing to date a female comic. And I think he meant, yeah, they're going to talk about you and you're going to end up being embarrassed. It's I've, I've lost a lot of friends over it. It's well, not- it's probably not, it's not even about the public because you don't even say names, but un- no, yeah. in, in the, in the internal, in the world, you know, in the, in the sort of incestuous world that you're in, everyone fucking knows when you are telling that joke on stage, who you are talking about, right? Yeah. I haven't had enough boyfriends. I, I really wish I had more so I could mix it up and they wouldn't know who I was talking about, <laughs> but it's like one of three and it's, it's all very clear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nikki looking at you during this quarantine, it, it has been, I think it's shown a different side of you because I, I think most people see you from the Comedy Central roast or your appearances on Stern or whatever it might be. And seeing you back in that kind of home nest and interacting with your mom and dad and your dog and whatever, I I think a lot of people relate to that. I think it makes it's not intentional, but I think it, it, it does kind of soften you a bit to not again, it's not your intention, but I, I think you getting to show another side of yourself probably in the worst thing because you, you see the the normalcy that really you live in and and it's not this heightened sense of comedy 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 all the time yeah i appreciate you saying that and i think that that's something out of this quarantine that i really have enjoyed exploring is how to be funny and not have put on a show doing it and how to be entertaining and really showing my true self because that's what I want from people. I don't want fakeness. And, um, and it's, I hope that out of this, people get to know me a little bit more in that way. And, and yeah, it's just, I, I, I really do hear what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, it's like, it's sad that I'm singing karaoke in my parents' living room in the (laughs) middle of the day, but that is what actually is bringing me a lot of joy right now. And it's just, I, I was posted it the other day and I was like, is anyone want to gonna gonna want to marry someone who has footage of them singing Taylor Swift in their parents' living yeah. room when they're thirty six? And I was like, yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, that so works wife- to your advantage. That's wifey material. That is I look wifey. fun. I look easygoing. I don't look terrible in sweatpants. Like I, yeah, I think I'm putting out a new like domestic side of me that no one's seen before. Um, but I, but I think I think I think we live. I think America's prude just in general. I think it's a, we're a prude country, right? Yeah. And we, my wife and I watched, um, watched net, a Netflix special last night and it was so fun to watch her watch you because everything that you say is just extremely relatable and it doesn't matter how graphic it is. The more graphic it is, the more relatable it is because when a, when someone has a mouthful of cum and they are, (laughs) not they are choosing to spit instead of swallow this is something 
that she was rolling about because it's the fucking truth. It's like when you're running around and doing that bit where the yeah. boys, where the fucking guys are, this friends are watching football yeah. or no, they're <laughs> yeah, watching yeah. some movie or some Varsity bit. Blues. Varsity Blues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron was losing it because Aww. it's just the truth for her. You know, yeah. I think you speak to women on a, in a, on a graphic level that a lot of women don't get to sort of even hear about or experience someone else having the same issue, you know? Yeah, it's that's I never really set out to be graphic or to be overtly sexual or to ch- just to challenge the norm. I don't really like making people uncomfortable, even though it seems like I do. I really just encounter these situations as a woman and just as myself. And I just realize what are we doing? Why isn't anyone talking about this? And I I feel like with sex, I was just so... Growing up in St. Louis, um, growing up with parents that don't talk about sex, I didn't learn anything about sex. I was scared of it. My mom kind of gave me a blanket statement of like, men, if you, they get you alone, they're going to like try to rape you. So just like avoid being with boys. And I was like, got it. Like, I don't want to be raped yet. You know, I'm going to save that for, you know, college. <laughs> but um, but I was just scared of boys and I was scared of sex. And it was and And then when I started doing it, I was like, this is so funny and there's so many interesting things about it and no one's really talking about it. And it's just, I, I really love, can I love that you said that your wife watching your wife was fun because it's, that's why I do it. I I really do everything I do to talk to other women and to make just anyone feel less alone. Cause I just felt so alone. I still feel alone with my crazy thoughts. And that's why I put them out there because when people relate to them, I'm like, Oh good. It's not me. But before I did comedy, I just felt crazy all the time. Like why? Like, wait, the semen goes in your body. Like, I just remember being like, wait, their penis goes in you. Like I couldn't believe They just say these things and you're like, but wait a second. Why? I just, I had so many questions and I don't want other people to feel alone with those questions. So I'm really just doing comedy for like a younger version of myself. No, it's true. It's great. It's great. But how did, how did you, how did your parents like deal with that shit growing up? I mean, it was sex sort of taboo in a way. I mean, you know, cause I have a daughter now, right? Yeah. And how old that, is she? That she's a uh, six mm-hmm. and that father daughter relationship, especially when you're dealing with sex, right? How does that how, I mean, how did it work for you? But it's an interesting sort of question as to how you deal with it when you're dealing father-daughter, you know? I have no answers for you because my dad didn't do anything. He said nothing. And he left it to my mom, and my mom said nothing, too. So, But what I do remember is that when I started having questions, they weren't handled in the best way, but that was just all he knew. I remember... One time, it, and this like pains me to even think about, but one time we were, I was probably like eight or nine and I was in a van full of family and my da- dad was driving a bunch of cousins, my mom, aunts, and it, we were going to driving some long distance somewhere. And it just occurred to me that my dad could have had sex with someone before my mom. Like it just, I don't know what made me think of it, but I was like, I wonder if like he, if he had girlfriends, did he have sex with anyone? And so I just asked, I was like, dad, did you have sex with anyone before mom? And he said, uh, nothing. He said nothing. He just said nothing. Like it didn't even happen. Like the, like the (laughs) conversation I felt. So I, not only was I not, I wasn't scolded or told that's not appropriate. It was like, I was ignored and like what I said didn't even, I was gaslit by my father at an early age just because he was nervous and didn't know how to handle that conversation. But 
I would have much preferred an honest answer back then. Right. Well, I was about to ask you. My mom couldn't handle it. (laughs) Right. Well, I was about to ask you. I was like, if you could go back and like you have little Nikki, which is one of my favorite Prince songs. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. But if you had little Nikki and you could then if your dad could have done it right or said the right things to you, would you have any idea what that conversation might sound like, you know? I think it would have just been really like leaning into the science of it, just of this is what happens. And then, um, and, and, and also the science of love and feeling bonded to someone. And yes, that can happen multiple times. Just being, treating me like, I mean, that's an adult question. And so being answered with an adult kind of response, I just, I would have, and you know, in that moment wasn't the best time. And he could have said, you know, like, that's a great question, but not shame me for, because I got a lot of shame for like, why would you have done that then? I mean, I wonder where those voices in my own head come from of why would you have done that? I mean, it's a lot of like, uh, just, you know, that wasn't the time for it, but if you have any questions, let's go through all your questions and I'll answer them all. And I'm excited to, because when it was just, you know, I, I was always like, I had so many questions, but so little answers. And I was just so scared of, penises and vagina like i didn't i I also think that this day and age is different than even when you were eight and i know you're you're 10 or so years younger than oliver and plenty years younger than me but i have 23 and 20 year old daughters and so i've navigated this as a dad and i've always tried to treat them older than they are i never really did the baby talk stuff and if they had questions for me i just tried to be as honest as i could in the moment and and but i also think that then naive idea of having to sit your kid down in this day and age when they become of a certain age and tell them what's going on with a man and a woman's body is ridiculous with, with what's out there and with computers and the internet and everything else. I I think what, what you have to navigate are the feelings that's attached to all that and what comes with the emotional side of it and how you have to be, you know, respectful of your body and, you need that. That's that's the stuff that I focused on. I didn't get into the nuts and bolts. I didn't need to. I, I it was you did it. Was, You're right. Wait, did you it, say just, nuts and bolts? Was that the thing? Or, yeah, know. that's that's our code word for uh for yeah, dick and balls. That was an accident, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I, I I love the idea, Nikki, of of all this research that, and I, we both have a packet that was sent to us about you. The one thing that jumped out to me. And I think it's so beautiful that when you did your first stand-up, if this is accurate, that a friend of yours held her phone up so that your dad back in St. Louis could hear your first yeah. stand-up. I got yeah. misty-eyed uh, when I read and, that. And, and I was like, oh my, that tells you all you need to know about Nikki and her dad and and how your dad has been your biggest fan. I mean, literally from ground zero. Uh, I don't know what what it is about that, but I I think it's just that that bond that that I don't know. I, I think you you really you're lucky, and and not everybody has that, as you know. I am I have the best dad. I just I can't even believe how much I lucked out. He's cool. He's healthy. He's just mentally healthy. He um, has always been such a champion of mine. And I was really lost for a few years. Like I was, had a devastating eating disorder that nearly killed me that confused my whole family and no one knew how to handle it. Um, and I kind of dug myself out of that on my own. And when I did, and when I finally found comedy, like that was why that was like such a crucial moment. 
and why I think we both cried on the phone because it's true. Yeah, I did stand up for the first time and I called him crying because he had heard it and was like, I just I know what I want to do. I'm finally have a reason to live because at that point I was just so sick that I just wanted to die. Like every day was just a struggle to live. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I have like a talent. Like I have something to pursue. And he was the first one I called. And and he was like, I just remember him getting teary eyed, too. And he gets he he cries all the time when when um, he sees me on different things. And he's just so proud. But I went home to St. Louis after that show, because I did the show when I was in college and I went home that summer and he was the one that took me up to the funny bone in St. Louis at Westport Plaza. And uh, we went to the open mic and he saw that on the table tent, it said like a comedy class. And he was the one that was like, you got to do this. So he was, he's always been a champion. He, you know, gave me money until I told him, I was like, just give me until the age of 27. I knew it was going to take at least 10 years to get really good at this and be financially independent at it. And, and I was right. And he supported me up until my, the eve of my 28th birthday. Um, he's awesome. And, 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 and then he's letting me live here now. And they're, they're so excited. I'm here. I'm having the best time with them. Like it's, it's funny to be living here and it's hard at times, but, I, um, I'm learning so much more about them that I never would have known. It's like, it's actually a, a really incredible experience and I'm like so lucky for it. And yeah. Like more than you could have found out when you hooked them up to a lie detector test and asked <laughs> them about their sex life. I mean, I, I would be so scared. Every participant in that should have been petrified <laughs> yes. at what was going to come out. Yeah. Husband to wife, daughter to dad, daughter to mom. Like there's no win in any of that. They, they, yeah, I hooked them up to a lie detector test and asked them about their sex life for my show that I had on Comedy Central. And they were so down. They just like, let me do anything with them. They are so nice. They will anything to make me look better. They don't care. And did they um, lie? Did they lie at all? in that um it was there was no they didn't actually i mean it was unfortunate that they they did it because i think they could have gotten away with it but um because the lie detector test is like a hollywood lie detector test you know he just says whatever answer is funniest um but they really (laughs) did tell the truth about a lot of stuff and it was so uncomfortable so uncomfortable (laughs) asking my i remember the worst question was asking my dad if he had ever heard me having sex and that was like the brutal one where i was like why did i sign up for this so they they constantly are throwing themselves under the bus for me uh, comedically i mean i i i I really lucked out are you are you like in your childhood like room or some shit yeah i live in my bedroom how this has to be some are you doing something with this it's too good that you're fucking living with your parents again i mean i know it's it really is too good i'm actually it's so ironic i i sold a show a year ago and i am just now starting to write it after everything and the show is that i get canceled it's me getting canceled and i have to move back home to st louis and live with my parents and i am I sold it a year ago. I'm getting texts about it right now. I have scripts due today. I have, I cannot write this damn thing because I'm living it. And I'm, I'm, it's really affecting my relationship with them because they are such assholes in this, in this pilot that I'm writing. And then I take it out and, and, and they've done, it's like when you have a dream about that someone cheated on you and then you're mad at them. It's like, they have nothing to do with what's happening on my computer, but they're, 
yeah, it's it's uncanny. Oh, I have those those dreams are th- those dreams are so real, especially in high school. In high school, I would have dreams, sex dreams about a girl that I had no interest in, and then I'd go to school the next day and be like, I I have to be with her. Like I don't know what's <laughs> going. Like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so into her right now. Yes, yeah. yes, it's so real. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! So oh, it's well. it's um it's it's a we. I've lost literally every other TV show except that one. I'm like, oh good, that's the one I. Have to keep yeah, I was writing. about to say, what's going on? Like, how, how's it all panning out? I'm supposed to do a pilot. You know, I was supposed to do a pilot and for CBS, and now it's just in a holding pattern. You know? Yeah, what I, mean? I um, it's I I was uh, I did I had a voiceover job that went away because they can't shoot the show that I was voicing. My radio show just ended. Um, my tour was interrupted in the middle of my first theater tour. So it's like, you know, pretty much everything is gone, but I'm just now starting like, I think I want to do a reality show. I'm like, oh, that would be, I'm already saying everything that I'm doing. Why not just shoot it? Then I can just live and shoot a show. So I'm, um, I think I'm going to. Then you'll never get married. Don't do that. You'll never get married. No, I think I might do it to get married. Like, I think I might do a dating show, like to try to find a husband. Oh, because those are so, so real. Love is blind. Genuine. They're still together, those people. Oh, I know. I believe in it. I just, I'll. I'll, Still together. I definitely, yeah, it'll take a certain type of person to want to date on camera, but I kind of feel like I. I might need to end up with someone like that. I don't know. Or maybe it's, I just need a reason to get out there and date again. So I was like, oh, maybe if I make a show where I have to date, I'll do it. Well, da- obviously men is a big thing in your life. It's just trying to figure that shit out. Right. Yes. I mean, but, but what, why is it so difficult? Meaning like what, what, what's, are you, is it, is, is it you? You I know, know what I mean? Is no. it you? No, it's not I'm you. I'm pretty great. I gotta You're be honest. Great. Like okay. I, so then I, what? So then what is going on? Like, do you really <laughs> want to be with a man? Meaning, do you really want a relationship? Or you no? Know? I think I'm terrified. I think I'm terrified of actually being loved and someone loving me. Like I'm so hard on myself that I'm uncomfortable with someone not being hard on me. So, you know, the the people I'm attracted to, to tend to be uh, narcissists that you know. Uh, don't really even like me that much. And I try to have to try to convince them to like me. And then I finally do. And then I'm not interested anymore. I mean, it's really, that's why I'm trying so hard to work on myself because I just know that that's, that's the problem is it. I mean, it is me. I'm, I know that I am capable of being a great partner and that I will someday. I'm 36 though. And I'm like, how have you not had more than one relationship? Like it's kind of, there's something suspicious about it where I'm like, something's going on here and I got to figure it out, but I'm extremely as open as I talk about sex. I'm extremely, um, nervous about it and, uh, just have a lot of anxiety around physical intimacy. So I keep, uh, that's why I, I, I dated a guy for several years. And then since we broke up like three years ago and I've just only slept with him because it's like, oh, I know how that goes. And it's just not challenging. <laughs> right. It's not putting myself. So to go back to Hoffman just for a second. So my sex Please. life, my wife, we've been together for 19 years, married for 14, I think now. We've had the bumps. There's no doubt about it. Nothing's fucking perfect. There's, you know, she's an amazing woman. I'll put it that way. So 
I went to Hoffman. Sex has always been amazing. It's always been great. It's always gotten better and better and better because we've been more comfortable and more comfortable with each other. When we were young, we fucked a million times a day. But then right. it but but now it's just getting it got better and better and better. I went to Hoffman and the sex my sex life just opened up to an entirely different level because I never truly understood what connected sex really, really was. I thought I did because I'm I'm emotionally available. I'm a very open person. Yeah. But but I was closed off to a lot of things. I mean, I was I had my my vulnerable certain parts of my vulnerable self was just locked up. And once that shit opened, it was like insane. And I'm not kidding. And I'm, I'm I'll admit this. There was a one time where I. I had to stop myself from crying after an orgasm at the age of 43 oh years old. Oh, my God. Wow. That's beautiful. This, this is our last podcast. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you get a fucking rebate from Hoffman. Like, they, do, you, do they give you half your money back when you talk about how great they are and you're I, crying I, after I'm sex? I'm just saying... That's I am incredible. I consider myself to be a pretty manly guy. That's going to be on your headstone. That's going to here lies Oliver Hudson who once fought back tears after an orgasm. Yeah. I, Enjoy. I, 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 hey, and and we, we're not cutting it out. I'm, I'm I'm okay with this. I know who I am. I know I can be filthy and I know I'm sensitive. I know I'm all of it, right? But I had a moment where it was so intense See, that I don't had put this to out there. <laughs> for for the last 10 years of my life, I get people yell, Artie Lang, out to me, or oh, that's disgusting for the Randy <laughs> Moss thing. You're going to be walking down the street in LA. People are going to roll down the window. Uh, pff, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Oliver's oh, so crying. I, I don't care. I don't even care if it's because it's so non-relatable. Like, I don't think one man listening out there will be like, "Oh yeah, I cry too when I orgasm." Yeah, <laughs> one that's guy. So not like that's so <laughs> nice. I mean, did you just do this Hoffman thing? Did you just cry the whole time? Because I think that's the fear. Is like I just if I start oh crying, God. I won't stop. Or like it's what? okay though. It's good. It's just fucking good. You just yeah, go, yeah. go, go. And that's know. all you needed. Do you need to go back for tune-ups? No, well, there's certain things, you know, you're, you're constantly in it. Like, I mean, this is part of I his had... post therapy. Every week we talk about Hoffman. I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Well, we don't have to keep it all in. It's just <laughs> we talk about my, my we talk my about my, now. talk about my hair plugs and your fucking self help. <laughs> I know, I know. It was just, I had no, I have never had anything that transformative before. And I've been in therapy for 20 plus years, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I, mean, so. I, I hear what you're saying. It's really resonating. And um, I just love that you need tissues after sex for two yeah. different things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Nikki, Nikki's going to camp out outside the gates to Hoffman I now that she knows what's going there. on. Let no, me I mean, in. forget that. You're waiting for some guy to come out so you can That's get him. <laughs> Hi, a- do you cry after sex? <laughs> Hi, I, my name's Nikki. Uh, I have a Netflix special. Um, yeah, I love emotional okay. men. Like, that's my new thing is like, I'm into guys that like cry and work on themselves and, and feel yeah, their feelings because I've just, I know, oh, I think I would, I don't want it to be constant, but I really, I remember the one time my ex-boyfriend broke down crying. I would like started blowing him before he even rig- mm-hmm. like gained composure. I was like, oh, that's yeah. the hottest you sobbing is the hot. I can't help it. I'm so <laughs> turned on by the fact that you, you know, have feelings yeah. about your brother. It was no. just so 
I was like, please stay in this state, be this vulnerable. But, you know, I, I, I really relate to that. I feel very constipated emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what, what's the perfect dude then? You know what I mean? Like, do you have an idea of who this man could possibly be? Yeah. I mean, it's someone I want someone who is, you what know, about, what about physicality first? Does it matter? Does he have to be like, yeah. Hot? Yeah, I mean, no, no, it just has to be attractive to me. I'm I'm all over the place with that. I'm often attracted to people that my friends are like, what? So, yeah, but it has. I have to be attracted to him because I, I often solicit people just DM me if you want to shoot your shot, do it. But take your profile off private so I can look at your pictures and see or send pictures of you. And if I don't get back to you, you can just convince yourself that I didn't see it. And it's no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. But um, I yeah, I think physically... I'm all over the place. I can go short. I can go tall. I don't, I don't care, but I have to go white. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. No, I, um, (laughs) no, I can go any, I can go any, any way. Uh, I'm all over the place with uh, attractiveness, but that is first. Like I really can't fake that. And I've tried to before where I'm like, I'm not attracted to him, but he's so nice. I want a guy who meditates. Like that's like someone who actually reads a book about themselves and isn't scared to maybe have gone to therapy before. Um, you know, that's a huge thing. Like someone who just works on themselves beyond listening to a Joe Rogan podcast about, you know, mm-hmm. breathing exercises. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe you take cold showers. That's a start. But let's go a little bit deeper. <laughs> I think that all, men are so scared they're going to be gay on the other side of looking inward that they just don't go there. And it's like I would I promise if you go to therapy you're probably not going to be gay, but if you are, then you're gay and then go be gay and let's not do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's mainly just guys that are emotionally like working on themselves, but I do like a, a fixer upper. So I don't want you to be fully fixed. I want you to still be open and someone who doesn't drink or not someone who doesn't drink, but someone who doesn't, isn't like an alcoholic, which most people kind of are. And as a pothead, I, I have my own things that I, I would like to not be a pothead when I bring myself to a relationship. Um, but yeah, the drink, cause I don't drink. And if anyone who loves that or someone who's like obsessed with meat is never going to be good for me. I found that to be, cause I'm vegan and I just don't want to talk. I don't care if you eat meat, but if it's like barbecuing is a part of your identity. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, <laughs> but I want, I like guys that are like successful. I like guys that are like really love what they do and it doesn't have to be a lot of money because I feel like I've done pretty well for myself and I don't need that. But what about politics? You care about politics? Oh my God. If, if you have any sort of sympathy for Trump, it's (laughs) there's even a smidge of like, well, I think that uh, shut up. Right. What about, what about take Trump out of the equation? What about just conservative versus liberal? You know what yeah. I mean? Forget Trump. Trump's on Trump's a different species. I can't forget. I know. I know he is. But um, I would say just and this stems from my dad. Like, I'm mm. honestly looking for someone with my dad's same kind of values, which is environmentalism, the planet um, and just being a, a good person. So, yeah, I mean, politically, you can be really anywhere. Um, as long as you just like care about animals and about the earth, like if you, if you don't believe in climate change, we're going to have a problem or if you don't seem to care about it and you know, we don't need to be growing our own nut butters or anything, but like, you know, (laughs) just, just have some sort of, yeah, I, I, my dad is a huge about the environment and like has been trained by Al Gore and gives speeches. He wrote a song about climate change. Wow. So I'm kind of, um, 
that that really is important to me in, in someone. Okay, yeah. they, they, these are a lot there. Of, this is I, there's like maybe ten people walking the planet that fit these qualifications. <laughs> I know. So I hope I, I hope that they're and all a lot single of them are married, and you need but, them all. Well, even if they're not, by the end of this quarantine, there's going to be a lot of bachelors. That's true. Hitting the market. This is true. This (laughs) is true. I'm keeping my options open. I'm not ruling anything out anymore. I used to be like, oh, he's like, I was the other day, I was like looking at blues players and Cardinal players just because I'm in town. Like, why not? And, um, and they're all like, oh, married with kids. And I'm like, or, you know, usually right. that would deter me. And now I'm like, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm just going to say like. So anyway, when, when, when you when you go look for blues and Cardinals players, are you just going online and looking at rosters? Images. Yeah, I'm images. Just like looking at the images and I'm like, oh, he's cute. And then I go look and I look at his age and then he. I see he was born in 95 and I'm like, maybe not him. I know. Oh, but by and, the and way, has, though, yeah. you, you, Joe is, you know, a great source for all of that. I am. But yeah. most of those most of those people you were looking at are meat eaters at the very least. Right. Well, they and, just and they're not making they their own nut butter. OK, well, as long as they I, I can I can make an exception. It just what's their salary? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't even brought up. All right. Yeah. I mean, independently wealthy. Yeah. No, but this is good. Any athlete that you may be interested in, Joe's an amazing resource for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will, I will put A with B. Both of you just, I, that's what I've been, um, trying to do is like, just consider me for your single friends. Just like, keep me in your mind, set me up because I, I think that's, what's going to have to happen. And it's like, I'm on the celebrity dating app Raya, but that is just, I'm up against Victoria's secret supermodels and also escorts. There's like, Oh really? Is that how that goes down on that? I, yeah, I, I mean, no there's, idea. there's girls on there that I just know are charging and, um, and it's just, it's just not, <laughs> It's not good on there. And in St. Louis, there's no one on Raya in St. Louis. It's like Fred Bird and John Goodman. (laughs) Yeah. It's really is Slim Pickens out here. (laughs) Fred Bird. (laughs) You don't know what's under that bird head. You have no idea. No. No. That's, but you must, on Raya, you must have dudes swiping you just because of who you are, right? I mean... I celebrity thought so aspect. like some, yeah, there are some of those that say like, oh, I loved you on this thing or I loved you on that. And, um, and it's, it's funny cause that takes me right out of it because if you know me only from my act or from my roasts, you definitely think I'm someone different than I am. Like you don't know the real me. And if that's the person you want, it's not necessarily the person you're going to get. You're going to, that can't the, be that can't be the drop the mic moment for you. That's not bad to say if they, Oh, I thought no, you were great no. on this, but I hope they dig deeper and not too deep because, but I, I just, I don't want someone who, um, I can't wait. Like I got the worst line, which so many guys use is like, are you going to roast me if we go on a date? And it's just uh, like, that's too much. Or Jeffrey this is Ross. another thing that keeps happening is that, I'll get really hot guys who I usually would be like, wow, this dude's out of my league. Hello. And I'm like, well, that's, this is nice. Um, I guess this is what I'm, I guess I'm like way hotter than I thought I was. And then it comes out that they want to start a podcast with me. It's like these like ex bachelor contestants who they're just using me and they flirt with me. Like they really do. They, They do it. Like they're like, I feel like, 
a, a, a really, you know, a hoodwinked dude, you know, like I just wow. feel like a, kind of a dumb dude that I get, I fall for these guys that are just kind of like, you know, just want to hang out with me and, and want to spend time together. And then on like the second time we hang out where I'm like, is he going to kiss me? It finally gets to the point where I have to be like, what's going on here? And they're like, well, I have this podcast opportunity and I'm looking for a co-host. And I'm like, oh, oh you just want that my happened? talent. It's happened a lot. It happened to the point where it was happening. It's happened three or four times uh, with different guys that I'm like very excited. I'm like, oh my God, I got a DM from this guy. He has a blue check mark. And then we start talking and it's never flirty. And then it always ends up them wanting me to either do their podcast or start a podcast with them. Uh, why Holy are we doing a pod? Why are we doing shit. a podcast? It's I, like, uh, that's why Nikki's on our podcast. Cause yeah. we're, we actually we're, we need her to be our co a third host. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a long hour and a I half of, of getting you on our podcast as a co-host. Uh, all right. Well, you got to write. So yeah, go write. But I want one more thing. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I'm just curious. What, what, what is there anything off? What is off limits in, in your comedy? I mean, you know, what won't you talk about? I mean, there must be some, some things or things, you, you know? know, I, I don't think I'll make fun of, um, I don't like to, I won't make fat jokes. I mean, I think I've done them in the past, but I just feel like it's just such well trod to like call someone fat and dismiss them that way. And I'm, I'm kind of just sensitive to that. So it, unless it's a roast and then I'll just, then you can call people fat all day. Um, but in terms of just being mean and making fun of people or just, uh, for no reason, I just won't do that anymore. I won't, I won't go. I'll, I'm, I'm, I find it much easier to like make fun of myself, but, um, and to be really harsh against myself, but uh, my roasting, I only allow that kind of venom to come out in that arena because they're there, they signed up for it, but taking that on stage and, and, um, t talking about someone else that way, even my parents, I'm, I'm a lot more sensitive about how I handle my frustrations with them. Um, uh, but Honestly, in terms of my own life, really nothing's off limits. I don't really hold much back. I mean, there's certain things that I've done in, uh, before that I probably will never admit to, even to myself, but uh, I really don't have many secrets. I, I often find myself in therapy. Like, I would go into my therapist and she'd be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for telling me that. That is like so brave of you. And I go, I literally just said that on air like an hour ago. So if you want to hear it again, it's on demand on Sirius XM. But you have things you're saying that, that you, it's hard for you to even admit to yourself that you have done. Is that what, is that what you just said? Yeah. Just, just so, so really petty so, so, things. So certain things like that, you won't talk about just because it's awful for even you can't even stomach it. You know, I need distance from them. There's a couple of things that I could even think of right now that I don't have enough distance from. And I'm like, oh, that ugliness that I was thinking that I would want to maybe take apart someday with my act is it's too soon. Like, but there's one in particular that, you know, the type of ugliness that I'm talking about that I usually would like, don't share that with anyone. Um, I remember being so heartbroken about a guy. He broke up with me and um, I just wanted any reason for him to like reach out to me again and to have to like be like to have to be nice to me that I was kind of like hoping that I'm not going to say which family member, but that a family member would be in like a car accident. Like I remember specifically, I mean the ugliest one I've ever had and, and, <laughs> and, and not one that they would kill, die, but right. just get, like, really fucked up. And it was like, and I sincerely remember crying being like, I hope that happens 
which is so, and it's like, why wouldn't you ask for you to get hit by a car? And it's like, well, cause then I, then I'll get hit by a car. Yeah. And I don't want to be, you don't want <laughs> so to deal that. that happened to my sister. <laughs> God, but, um, I was going to say your poor sister. Exactly. exactly you knew. It's, exactly. I do. I mean, it's gotta be your so sister. It's not going to be your mother. dad. It's not going to, yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. You're a horrible person. <laughs> I know that was the old me. That was five years ago. So that's what I'm saying. This, the, this, the limit that, that five years distance I've changed since then. That's not a thought I would ever have about my sister now that I would admit to, but, um, that's just like, I think that that's, I, I remember that kind of thought bubbling up of, wow, that is so sad and so embarrassing that I thought of it. And then five years later you go, okay, now I can talk about it because of that's course. the old me. Yeah. Right. We all have those morbid thoughts. I mean, yes. I, I do. I mean, I, I think that they're not necessarily real. They're coming from a different place. It's a have you told Kate, place. You know? Have you told Kate about those thoughts? Oliver? <laughs> not yet. Okay. <laughs> not yet. But um, uh, um, all right. Well, a good solution for you, Nikki. Yeah. If you want to live in St. Louis, just stay in your parents' house, and maybe they'll just move out and get a place of their own. They're actually looking at places. I really could take this place over. It's a little too much space, but um, and I I know that they'd miss so many things and want to come back and use their pool. And so I don't need a pool. I don't need that. It's too much to take care of. I want a small place. I don't know where to look though. But I'm going to yeah. do it. I can help you with that and anybody on the roster of the Cardinals or Blues. I'm serious. Please keep me in mind. <laughs> and Oliver can help you find a guy who will cry after having an organ. That's yeah. Right. Get That's me one right. of those Hoffman yeah, yeah. boys. I'll find you a Hoffman yeah, boy go, who's going to cry <laughs> after he your, comes. Um, <laughs> yeah, go check out your outreach <laughs> list from the Hoffman Center. And then, oh, so I want to ask you one last question, dad question. So if you could... What what is? Give me one thing that you are grateful for, that you have sort of genetically inherited from your father, right? And then one thing that you wish that you didn't get Ooh, from that's him. That's good. Um, okay, so one thing about my dad, I really did get my dad's like genetics. Like we have the same body and the same like we look alike. It's actually one of the worst things to, but I get told I look like my dad all the time. Like I don't like posting pictures of my dad because people on Instagram are like, you look just alike. And I'm just like, that's not nice. Like I'm a woman. And then I post a picture of my mom and they're like, you look nothing like her. And I'm like, I know. Um, so I, I look a lot like my dad, but I'm grateful for that because he's got amazing legs and he is just like a very athletic figure without even trying. And so I don't really have to work out and I'm still like, have I'm so I'm, I'm 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 psyched for my dad's body that mm-hmm. I got. Mm-hmm. Um, except my huge dick it gets in the way a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I uh, I really what I did get from him that I am um, just in terms of personality. I yeah. think I'm just really nice and interested in people, and I think I've learned that from him. Like a genuine. Um, uh, genuine interest in others and learning a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for reading and absorbing entertainment music. We have the same similar, he's a musician and, um, and we sang a song the other night, actually, I, I threw like a, a dance party that I do on zoom where I raise money. And I took the time to sing a song with him. My dad learned a Taylor Swift song and like, which I've been begging him to learn. And I sang it with him and I've never sang professionally. My dad's a professional singer and uh, guitarist. And it was so hard for me to do because that's always been very contentious for us because he's so critical 
of my singing. And I always just end up being like, I'll never do it right. I know. And then I'll just storm off and we never, we never <laughs> accomplish anything. So we finally sang this song, but the other night, right before we sang, I was telling the people watching, I was like, guys, I'm going to sing a song right now. My dad and I practice it. And I was like, I'm sorry. I know you're all like, Oh God, now she's going to sing this. No one needs to see a comedian sing. And my dad made some comment. He was like, yeah, you singing is like when the drummer like has his own solo song <laughs> that everyone goes to the reception, goes to get drinks yeah. during. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. good joke. It it's is a great joke, but it was right before my performance. Right. And I was like, okay. And I was so mad. And then I fucked it up so bad. I fucked up the song so bad. And in my head, I'm like, he fucked me up. He got in my head right before. It and I was so mad at him. But then afterwards we ended up talking about like how hard it is to memorize words and how it, it, it he was actually very comforting to me after it, even though I was like, he got in my head, dad. So I'm really, um, I'm appreciate just my dad is the greatest taste in comedy, which because of my dad's taste in comedy, that's why I'm a comedian. He got Seinfeld in front of me at a very early age, Conan, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, great standups. I remember watching him watch Wendy Liebman, who is someone I like really get a lot. Uh, Sarah Silverman and Wendy Liebman were two people that my dad like thought were so funny. And so I think all of this is for my dad. Like I, I do this to get my dad's attention as I'm sure you both kind of understand in your own right is that you're just trying to be good at something that your dad is good at and mm -hmm. likes a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, and the thing that I would say that I got from my dad that I, I wish I didn't was, um, huh, I mean, uh, God, I don't want to be mean. So many things are coming to me that are too harsh. <laughs> 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 if he listens to this, I'll just feel so bad. Um, I wish that I, uh, wasn't so, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's, we're coming full circle here as I talk, because I wish I didn't have so many expectations for myself, so much pressure on myself. And I don't think I get that from my dad putting pressure on himself, but I think I get that from my dad putting pressure on others, not me, but my dad expects a lot from people and is really disappointed when they don't deliver. And I've seen that disappointment and I've seen him talk behind people's backs about like, why couldn't they just do this? And I think I have internalized a lot of that. And I think even answering this question right now is helping me know where that voice is coming from and, and possibly help me like overcome it. So mm. thanks Great. guys. Did I just go to Hoffman? Was this an intro this course it. to the Hoffman? This is it. You passed. <laughs> You're, in. You. You're, You're in. You're in. You're in the class of 2021. I'm going to go come and weep in the next room after this. So thanks so okay, much. great. This was so much fun. So, so fun. great. This was yeah. awesome. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you, guys. This was so fun. So fun. We have so much. Thank you for being so great. It was yeah. awesome. I got I so much out of it. Thank you. Good. Guys. Good. Thanks, Talk Nikki. Later. All right, babe. Bye. Bye. All right, Alava. <clears throat> awesome. I love her. She's, she's so great. She's yeah. so great. And, and you she's said, so you know, sweet. I, she's just so sweet. And, you know, it's like she said, you know, uh, uh, when she was talking about dating, where guys are looking at her on Raya and basically thinking, oh, this is the Nikki Glazer I'm going to get because she's so authentic and real in her, you know, stand up. But, you know, there's an entirely different side to her, you know, a really sensitive, caring, emotional side that and self-aware you know, self and somebody, yeah, somebody that 
that I think when you do follow, as silly as it sounds, on Instagram, you know, you said, oh, I think you have a crush on her. That's what my wife says. I think I am. I see a lot of my daughter in her, um, Natalie, and kind of the, I don't know. She's easy to root for. I like somebody that that, that is that open and mm-hmm. not guarded. And for somebody to come from here, which is, she's literally 10 minutes from where I'm sitting right now, and make it to that stage, I, I still go back to that roast of Alec Baldwin. I mean, that that was just yeah. take no prisoners. Yeah, amazing. Took so much guts. And you're you're sitting next to Robert De Niro and and uh, Caitlyn Jenner and I, I mean and Alec Baldwin. I mean she grew up seeing these people in movies and now she's just shredding them. Yep. Is yep. like God, that's so good. Like that's I so do f- not have the guts. No, fuck that. But it's so funny though. Michelle Michelle said the same thing that you have a well because I basically she's saying it because I basically chased her down to get her on this and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I see a lot of my daughter's performance that she tried to do stand up. My daughter and did uh, uh, improv at Second City and and just she's a huge Nikki Glaser fan. So I, I kind of equate the two. But I, I nothing in the last hour and a half. Yeah. Changed my opinion. I, I just I, I love awesome. that. I love that Dude. kind of person. Oh yeah, I, I uh, you know I honestly hadn't seen a lot of her stuff. Right. So I I watched a special last night with Aaron. Dude, it's fucking funny, man. I mean, real deal funny stuff. You know, not yeah. like, oh, she's funny. Like, it's deep. It's funny. It's good. It's poignant. It's real. It's 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 extremely relatable in the most graphic way. Yeah. It's just so fun. Yeah, sometimes you feel like p- comedians, male or female, are being graphic just for the sake of being graphic. Yeah, no. But I don't I don't like get that, that sense. Not with, at all. Yeah. With her from what I've seen. Yeah, um, not at all. Not at all. It all it all is moving the plot forward, so yeah. to speak. You know but I, mean? I that would be tough to to have that. I mean, I, I can't imagine sitting there with my daughter, either one of them, doing that kind of comedy, talking about those kinds of things in front of me would be so unnerving mm-hmm. for both mm-hmm. parties, for father and daughter, and yet they're so close, and and that's why uh, that's why I really wanted to have her on this because I thought if we're gonna for the first female on this show, you know, daddy issues do not have to be when I have daddy issues. No. They can be it can be the other side, and yeah, and I think she course. genuinely reveres her father, and that relationship is something that I really wanted to to get oh, into. Yeah. I I could have talked to her for hours about just the psych this like the psychological state of humanity, you know, and just yeah. digging into sort of the way I feel and the way she's feeling and why she thinks this and why I think I'm the way I am. I love that shit. I, I have all I avoided it I, to a certain extent because I could get I could go into the get into the weeds with that stuff. I love right. that stuff. Well you guys got into the weeds at the beginning. It was all about weeds. That's or right. Weed. That's right. Weed. That weed. Um, well, that was fun, Joe. It was a it was a great week without you, and a better day with you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Casey Kasem. Remember, <laughs> that- keep your feet on the ground and keep <laughs> reaching for the stars. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great week without you. Even better with you for your time this time. Till next time. So long, everybody. Does that even make sense? What I said? It's a- yeah, absolutely. It- but that folds right into what my dad right. used to say. For your time, this time, till next time, so long. So that's oh, that's oh, going to that be our thing. thing. Okay. Yeah. Early well, in his career. A great week without you, but a better day with you. 
Hey, everybody, and from all of us here at the Daddy Issues Podcast, we're saying so long. So long. <laughs>